what is going on, Straight Talk Faithful? Your host, your boy, George Bakai, back in studio again today, and I got a special treat. This one has been my unicorn, if I will, to say the least, because I've been trying to get a hold of her. We've been trying to sync up. Finally, we found the time. Let me welcome to Straight Talk Wrestling, Addie Starr. How are you? I'm awesome. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm finally excited. I'm so excited that we're finally able to have this conversation. We've been trying to link up since last September. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm one of those people that is always doing something like constantly. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad we can finally do it. <laughs> yeah, I know you're constantly, but right after this, you got yoga. So we got to get, yeah. we got to get motoring. Got to do that hot yoga, you know, keep that, that uh, flexibility in there, you know? <laughs> I completely agree with you. I, on the other hand, do not do yoga, but anybody that does, I tip the hat to you for sure. <laughs> it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. I recommend it to everybody. <laughs> All right. So, Addy, one of the questions I always ask you if you've ever listened to any episode of Straight Talk Wrestling, you already know where I'm going with this. I call this question the defining moment. It's that moment where you tell me when you fell in love with wrestling. Um, that would have to be when I was 17, uh, and I watched my very first full wrestling show. Um, and it was a wrestling show that probably not many people would expect to be your first introduction. Um, someone showed me, uh, the IWA 95 Japan King of the Death match, um, that featured the likes of, uh, Cactus Jack, uh, Terry Funk, I think Terry Gordy was on it. Leatherface, a few other people. Uh, it was it was just wild. It was one of those wild things I remember ever seeing in my entire life. Um, and I think it was the moment when you saw the very first uh, backstage promo with Cactus Jack after his first match, and he's like bleeding everywhere and like wrapped in bandages, and he's like screaming at the camera, and he's talking about how like this is like you know, his pain that he's suffering. He doesn't care. He's going to keep going. And I was just like, what the hell is going on? Um, so I remember seeing it and just thinking like, what on earth is, is this thing that these people are willing to put themselves through this kind of carnage for? Like, why are they doing it? Uh, and the matches were just unreal. Like there's people taking like face plants into like thumbtacks and there's people that are being like literally exploded by C4. And uh, I think there was one that was like, someone had like lemon juice in, in like a, like a tub that they got thrown into. It was, it was wild. Um, so that show was what made me go like, all right, this is something that I want to know more about. I want to maybe be a part of one day. Wow. Your first wrestling <laughs> show is a king of the deathmatch show. And yeah. now seeing you wrestle about a handful of times, I could say that the I've seen you take some, you know, ballsy wrists and ballsy maneuvers in the ring. It all makes sense now. Everything makes complete <laughs> sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I always say, like, the way I even move around the ring a lot was totally inspired by by me watching Cactus Jack, especially. Um, like, I do this, like, weird thing where I, like, kind of hunch over, and it's like I'm limping, and it's literally just because that's what I saw when I was, like, watching him move around the ring. Like, I don't have any, like, knee injuries or hip injuries, but I still walk like he does. So, yeah, big influence. 
That's awesome. You know what? I, I've interviewed so many uh, fantastic indie wrestlers on this show, and now I get to add you to the list. And a lot of people have mentioned, you know, the Shawn Michaels, the Undertakers, the um, even a couple people have mentioned Randy Orton, Rey Mysterio, but nobody to date that I could think of has ever mentioned Mick Foley or one of the three faces of Mick Foley. And for you to pick Cactus Jack out of all three, I mean, that's huge. Let's talk Mick Foley for a second. Because if you're a big a big fan, which I, I can tell you are, out of all the personas that he portrayed over the years, was Cactus Jack the one you kind of drew most of your inspiration from? Or is there a little bit of mankind and a little bit of dude love in kind of who you are in the ring? Um, I think probably Cactus Jack is like the top one. Because to me, like mankind was always kind of like misunderstood. And he, he took a lot of punishment. But he wasn't as like sadistic as Cactus Jack was like Cactus Jack was like this kind of like crazy psycho man with no 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 background and and like no one knew where he was from and like where like who was this person kind of thing so for me it was the idea that like not only was he going through all the same kind of like big bumps and these like crazy matches that that the other fully personas did but it was also that he in turn was able to turn it around and kind of like dish it out the same. And, um, and I think his sort of like his little mannerisms in the ring as Cactus Jack came through like so much stronger than some of the other personas. So like he would do this thing where he would like squeal in the corner, like when he was like giving people punches and kicks in the corner, I thought that was so wild and just so interesting. Um, and his promos as well, like as, as Cactus Jack, like especially like in ECW. Um, yeah. So like my all time, all time favorite promos, like the Kane Dewey ones are like, oh my God, they're just so uh they're haunting like you watch them and you just feel kind of like shook to the core and that's that's really what I was going for when I when I started wrestling was like I wanted to have that kind of like weird crazy mystique almost that he did so yeah definitely my favorite I I completely tell and again as we dive deeper into this interview it all starts to make a lot of sense so you you, you fell in love with wrestling with the king of the deathmatch um pay-per-view or event if you will uh, when did you start training or how did you go about training and who did you start training with? Uh, so I started training shortly after that. Um, shortly after I watched that first one, uh, I actually just graduated high school. So I was about 17 years old. Um, and I was kind of like at one of those points in my life where I was like, I don't really know what I'm going to do. Uh, I, I didn't have the money to go to school. I didn't have like a job in mind. So I was kind of just floating around. Um, but I knew that I, I wanted to still do something like athletic and I've always been a really athletic sporty kind of person. So, um, someone offered me to go to wrestling training with them, um, which was actually in Cambridge, Ontario at the time. Um, and I was like, you know, I don't really know anything about wrestling. I'd never really watched it, uh, growing up. Like I said, like that death match was like the first thing I ever saw. Um, so I, I didn't really know what I was getting into and I didn't really understand that wrestling was, um, big in like an independent scene as well. I, I literally thought that there was like WWF at the time or whatever. And, and that's it. And like, there, there was like Stone Cold and like Hulk Hogan. And like, that's all I knew. Literally that was it. Um, so I go to this wrestling training and the first thing we did was like all these sit-ups and these squats and, and push-ups and like probably about two hours of just like straight cardio, like trying to make us quit or throw up. And I was like, well, this is challenge accepted. No problem. 
Um, and because I was already pre-athletic, like I, I really enjoyed this challenge. And then we got into the actual wrestling part of it. And I, I really, really, really loved the, the, the athleticism mixed with the sort of finesse that was sort of involved in all of it. And after my very first session, like the fact that I hadn't quit uh, in the first couple hours and, and the fact that I was so kind of interested in it, my trainer, uh, Eddie Osborne, he was like, can you please come back? Like, we, I really like it if you came back. Um, and especially, I guess, at the time, there were not many women in wrestling in the area. There were maybe like two or three um, up in like Montreal, Ottawa area, but not really many in Toronto. So like, it was this opportunity for him to, to recruit kind of a new female wrestler. So I was, was all over it. And, and I trained for about six months before I had my first match. And yeah, I, I loved it ever since then, ever since I got into it. <laughs> Well, and it shows. I mean, like I said, I've seen you wrestle a handful of times, and we're going to get into uh, the most recent matches that I've watched you in, but also one of my personal favorite matches of yours. But, I mean, I've followed you for a little bit of time now, and I, I can see it. Every time you step in that ring, you know, I always – anybody that steps in that ring, I, I want to give the shout-out and the props to because it's not easy to do what you do. It's not easy to get into the ring and put your body on the line, put somebody else's body on the line, and still be able to tell this fantastic story. And a lot of people don't see it as the art form that it is. And to those people, I say you're all un uneducated fools. Because as you and I both know, this is uh, an art form. It is. It's artistic poetry in motion. And anybody that doesn't believe that, like I said, is an idiot. And I will put my stamp on that right now. But in terms of your uh, matches that I've seen you in thus far, one of them I got to see you back was last year, Father's Day weekend. You were at the Chinlock 6 show. Uh, I got to see you take on uh, one of my former guests, Jesse Mack. I got to see you take on Madison Rain from Impact. I got to see you take on Beautiful Bia in a fatal four-way match for the Chinlock Heavyweight Championship. And that one is actually one of my personal favorite matches of you. I'm, I'm a big fan of fatal four-ways. I love them because the odds are stacked against you. It's literally three-on-one. No matter which way you look at it, it's three-on-one. And you really have to get that lucky break and that lucky moment to secure the win. Unfortunately, it didn't go your way that night. I believe beautiful Bia ended up taking uh, the win that night and becoming the new champion for Chinlock. But in terms yep. of those those type of matches and that match, I could see right away how much fun all four of you were having. And even though Madison mm -hmm. kind of disappeared and left and then came back in the end to try to steal the win, you three, yep. uh, you, Jesse, and Bia put on one hell of a show. And the crowd was pretty packed that night. I mean, it's a pretty decent-sized arena. And I want to say there was close to 10,000 people in that arena that night. And you guys delivered one of my personal favorite matches of the night. So, oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, it, it's always super fun, especially, like, working with someone. Like, I had never worked with Madison Rain before. So, like, that was super cool. And um, I really like when I get to work with, like, newer girls as well. So, like, Jesse Mack and Bia, who haven't been wrestling as long as, like, myself and Madison Rain. So, yeah, we had tons of fun that night. What was one of your favorite spots in that match, if you can remember at all? I mean, I know oh, it's hard. Some of, them kind of, some of them kind of mesh together. I, I actually remember one of my favorite spots. It's when, I believe, mm -hmm. you and, I believe it was Jesse Mack, kind of tag team a little bit on Madison Rain. And she tried to get yeah. the three oh, of you yeah. to turn on Bia. But it didn't yes. really go that way because you guys kind of were like, oh, yeah, okay, we'll do it. And then as soon as she turned her back, the three of you kicked the crap out of her, which is why she left the ring. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, it's a, it's a game of numbers, right? You know, you, yeah. you, you team up when you can and like you, you make some alliances, but then sometimes you got to you know, break that alliance and take it for yourself. <laughs> and then speaking of most recently, I got to see you at the first revolution where I got to see you up close and personal in a very intimate setting. That venue only fits about three to 400 people. And I was sitting mm -hmm. front row. I got to see you take on another uh, lady that I've been chasing down and I will get her Silesia sparks again. Yeah. The decision didn't really go your way that night, but that match I love because your power and her power, there was a lot of power mm -hmm. moves and a lot of fat. And you're one thing I got to say about you is your speed. I'm a big fan of speed in wrestling and you have some amazing speed. The way you two moved around that ring that night was impressive. Very, very impressive. I, I think, yeah. Silesia is someone I've wanted to wrestle for a long time too. Um, we've known each other probably over 10 years now. So I think that was kind of this like culminating of the hard work that she's been doing. Cause she is like, you know, so strong and so disciplined. And then like, I feel like I've been working pretty hard the last couple of years. So we, we finally got to like really show off like what we've both been working towards. So I really loved that match. Yeah, and you know what? It's a great thing that Chris is doing and Revolution Women's Wrestling is doing because they're giving kind of a platform to all these fantastic female wrestlers in indie wrestling. And I'm a girl dad. I got two beautiful girls. They are the light of my life. My 10-year-old, you met her at the last show. And I have my my four-year-old. And she's, uh, she's crazy. I call her the next Ronda Rousey. She literally wrestles around with me all day, every day. So uh, when, when the time is right, I'm going to definitely get her into some wrestling training. But what was special for me, the second revolution, was seeing the look on my daughter's face and seeing this whole roster filled with all these larger-than-life characters, these fantastic powerhouse females, and, you know, bring it down. And she actually had a moment with each and every one of you because she made all of you a bracelet. I don't know if you remember that. Yes, she made all of you guys a bracelet and she was super excited to give it to all of you. So I guess that spins to my next question. When you kind of are able to have that, you know, 30 seconds, 45 seconds with any young fan, whether it be male or female, does those, those kind of things, does that make it all worth it, worth the grind, worth the sacrifices, worth the late nights, the early morning, the traveling? When you have those moments that kind of resonate with you, does that make everything worth it that you've been doing for the last, you know, 13 years? Yeah, I mean... I've been saying lately that right now, a lot of the women that are in wrestling, um, they don't, especially ones that have started fairly recently, they don't understand how incredibly lucky they are right now. Because when I first started, and there's lots of people who started at the same time as me that will completely agree, um, it was so hard for us to have any kind of recognition. It was so hard for anyone to start taking us seriously like i was just i just watched um for some ungodly reason i watched uh wrestlemania 20 uh the other day where they had the uh the, the evening gown match for some oh, reason i don't know why yes, it was yes. awesome. um and and i remember watching and the crowd was like so, like they're hooting and hollering and all that kind of stuff for them. and then on the same show you had victoria and and uh molly holly do the hair versus title match and the crowd was just silent for that match. Like, they they did not care about that match. And I remember just watching it just being, like, so, like, sad, but at the same time so happy that, like, now we have so many amazing fans that that aren't aren't just there to, like, come in and, and like, stare at us and be gross, but they're, they're there to actually, like, watch and appreciate what we're doing as, as wrestlers. Um, and I... I've had some 
incredible fans um, over the past, you know, 10 years, if not longer. Uh, I had a fan who's from Germany, um, shout out to Chris. He used to come to my shows in England. He he brought me Christmas presents. Um, like he's he made me a personalized Maple Leafs jersey. Uh, like just like some really wonderful, thoughtful things that they've done. Um, and yeah, I mean, it really does make it all worth it. You feel like you've kind of like had an impact and, and seeing like, like I said, like your daughter there and how excited she was to, to watch people that, you know, that's someone that's like me and I look like that person and, and I could be that person. That's so unbelievably important because when I was 17 watching wrestling, there was nobody that I was like watching on TV thinking like, oh, I want to be like that person. Oh, I want to do that. There was no one that I could have looked at and, and wanted to emulate. So I think we, yes, we are, we, we love our fans and we're so happy to have them. But at the same time, like we're so lucky. We're so unbelievably lucky that we have the fans that we do today. It's incredible. It is. And like you said, you fast forward to, I mean, we were talking WrestleMania 20. That was just short of 16 years ago. And you fast forward to that. You fast forward 16 years and man, how far the world has come. There's still more work to do, but Mm -hmm. women in sports are getting the recognition that they do. You know, I record this out of my basement in my home and I have all around my basement is all the fantastic people that I've met and all the people that I've been able to get autographs from and memorabilia. And one of my favorite Mm -hmm. ones is one I just hung recently. It's with all the ladies that were on the card at the last revolution. Each of you signed it and I got it framed in my basement. And it's a pretty special piece of wrestling memorabilia. And I'm actually staring at you right now and your signature. And I'm like, I just wanted to make sure that I got it. Because if not, I was going to have to say, hey, Addy, we're going to have to meet up again because I got to get you to sign this. But you did. You signed it. So we're good. We're good. (laughs) But in terms of, I guess, let's, let's talk women in wrestling for a second. You know, we've seen barriers getting broken down every day. We're seeing women, you know, kicking ass, taking names. Last year, we saw women headline WrestleMania, which is a huge accomplishment, especially for a girl dad like myself, to see what uh, can happen when you have, you know, a great support system and people that believe in you behind you. We had an all-women's pay-per-view. We have now Revolution. We have Shimmer. We have WOW. We have a lot of these fantastic promotions. But here's my question, and this is a question that actually was posed to me from one of my good friends, Casey Spinelli, who was also at Revolution uh, just this past January. And it was, you know, we've seen that that women's, you know, Evolution pay-per-view. When are we going to see the next one? When is the next step? So in turn, I say this question to you, because now we see... Uh, a first ever female heavyweight champion on a televised program, Tessa Blanchard on Impact Wrestling. In terms of, you know, barriers being broken down, do you see something like that in the WWE in the near future, where it's actually a woman going after the heavyweight championship? I'm not going to say the men's title because it's not the men's title. It's the heavyweight championship. Would you be, would you say that WWE or even the rest of the promotions out there are almost there? What's going on, Straight Talk Faithful? Your host, your boy, George Mackay, here to introduce Acre, a new subscription platform for gold. This platform is absolutely amazing. You can subscribe for just as little as $50 or $30 a month. It's affordable. It's convenient. It's physical gold bars mailed to your doorstep, branded in the highest quality, designed in California, minted in Switzerland. It's safe and simple, and it comes in absolutely gorgeous packaging, and they have excellent customer service. Like I said, subscribe for $50 or $30 a month, 
watch your gold grow. It's shipped to your door, and you're in control. It's easy to cancel or modify your plan that suits your needs at any time. So go do do your boy a favor. Go to getacregold.com slash straight talk now. Check out all the benefits of this amazing platform. Um, I, I hate to say, but I think as long as Vince is around, it's going to be a no. Um, and I only say that because Vince, like having listened to so many like wrestling podcasts and people's encounters with, with Vince and, and from, you know, people that I know who have worked in WWE and their encounters with Vince, I just don't think he has that mindset. And I think, unfortunately, it's going to also kind of trickle down to, you know, Triple H. And and I think they're kind of still seeing it as, like, separate but equal. Um, Which, like, I get because to me, yeah, maybe it's kind of like the Olympics where you've got, you know, men's hockey and women's hockey. And you have men's basketball and women's basketball and whatever. And, And that might actually be okay. Like, because, like, I, there's a part of me that thinks that I don't want to have to compete against men to be considered the best or to be considered good enough. Like, I feel like actually in my own right, competing with women and showcasing women and saying like, here are these women that are doing these amazing things is in some ways almost better because then I'm not relying on, on a a man to do part of the work for me. And, and really it's about taking that, all women's perspective and and the like women athletes and and showing what they can do so like for example and when I was living in England I wrestled for uh pro wrestling eve a lot which is an all-women's company and they put on um this show I think two three years ago it might have been I can't remember now I'm getting old um called Wrestle Queen and it was this giant show it was at York Hall in London uh, there was probably a thousand, maybe two thousand people there, maybe even more. I might be remembering it wrong. Um, but we had people on, on the card, like Aja Kong was on the card, Mako Satamora was on the card, Emi Sakura was in my match. Like just an unreal amount of talent. And there were people there from Progress Wrestling who said that that show was probably one of the best shows of the year and not just like a best women's show. And to me, that's kind of like even better. Because a lot of people think that you have to work with the men to to get to the top. But actually, I think that we can do it just fine on our own. We just need to kind of like treat it as as um, as we do with the men's men's events. I, I think you're 100 percent right. Like when I when I told my daughter that we were going to, to, to Revolution, all I said was we're going to go to Revolution Wrestling. She had no idea it was an all female card because I didn't mention it to her. We got there and she said. Daddy, everybody, everybody's a girl. I said, damn right. I said, you're about to see girl power in the full force, but you're going to see it in a way that's going to showcase these women in a special way. And she was just, at that point, she was over the moon. I told her that there was a certain amount of wrestlers on the card. I said, you know, you got about 16, 17 on the card. She's like, okay, I'll make those bracelets. Perfect. And then when she got there, she saw it was all girls. She was like, oh my God, yes. I was like, yes. I was like, that's the reaction I was hoping for and I was looking for. But, you know, speaking of that event and how fantastic it was, and I can't wait for the next one because Chris does a fantastic job with the promo and all you ladies kill it when you're there. It's just absolutely so much fun. And again, I'm honored to, you know, be affiliated with Revolution. I'm honored that all of you ladies have given me your time to be on my little podcast. I do appreciate that. But that day in particular was kind of shrouded in a little bit of, I guess you want to say, wrestling hypocrisy because Mm. some things came to light about a certain female star 
Tessa Blanchard mm-hmm. and about kind of the backroom, locker room, if you will, kind of morale and how, you know, certain female wrestlers are not treating everybody equal. I'm not going to mention anybody's name on the card in particular that voiced their opinions, but the people already know who I'm talking about, but we're going to leave it at that. In terms of your experience thus far in the Ontario indie scene and in London and in all the places that you've been, Germany, you mentioned all the places that you've been where you've been able to showcase your talents and your abilities. Is that something that's still happening all around the world, not just here in North America, where there is that bit of cattiness, that bit of, you know, mean girl syndrome, if you will? Um, I think not if I'm gonna put it bluntly not really and and I say that because I don't think that it's exclusive to women's wrestling and I think people are making a big deal out of it because um and I'm just gonna fair warning that I am like a crazy psycho feminist here so my friends call me the feminist killjoy so I'm gonna just preface that um that there there is a tendency sometimes to view any kind of um conflict within you know a women a women's division as like catty and mean girls and and so people will jump on that and be like oh my god is this happening oh my god is this a thing oh I can't believe it and they turn into this sort of really big drama but I mean this has been happening in like men's side of wrestling probably way more often and like way more consistently and I've seen it happen like in front of me whereas I've never experienced it with women ever I've never ever been on a show especially an all-women show where anyone has been anything except supportive and wonderful and kind and respectful so I think it really is a sort of like not so much that this is a, a women's wrestling problem it's a this one particular person is probably kind of a jerk problem um and yeah I think we need to just leave it at that and that it's probably just uh an individual thing and rather than painting the whole community with it I think that's a fair point I I I do appreciate the the uh the answer to the question I think that's a fair point I think you you hit the nail on the proverbial head if you will in terms of your career thus far because you still got so many more years in front of you is there something that you haven't done that you are kind of just licking your lips and salivating and hoping that you'll be able to do in terms of maybe a stipulation match or maybe an opponent on the indie scene, male or female, uh, that you would love to get in a ring with and showcase your skills uh, even more than you already do. Is there something like that or that you haven't really accomplished yet in your wrestling career that you would kind of like to make 2020 the year to maybe, you know, knock that one out of the park and do it? Mm, uh, Yeah, I mean, I think my career is probably winding down because uh realistically i i'd like to have a a long life that's relatively pain-free and that's not really conducive to wrestling for a long time (laughs) absolutely Um, absolutely like I, I I've been really lucky in that I haven't had any major injuries and I don't really feel in pain most of the day so we're gonna try and quit while we're ahead um but I think the main thing, the main thing is it comes down to type of match, place you want to wrestle and person you want to wrestle. So I've got all three of those in terms of like my like bucket list, if you will. So I've got um, one person who I've actually never wrestled, um, which I, I always still think is absolutely insane considering how close we are in terms of proximity, how often we've been on shows together, the similarities in our styles, and that's Lufisto. I've never wrestled Lufisto, and I have no idea why. Um, 
so I'm, I'm really hoping that before she wraps up, before I wrap up, that we'll be able to have a match because I think her and I uh, come from a really similar place in wrestling. Um, she's obviously been wrestling longer than I have, uh, but I followed pretty closely behind and she was kind of an inspiration in terms of like, here's a woman that's going to go out and literally just kick the crap out of everyone that she goes in the ring with. And I thought that was super cool. Um, so she's probably the person that's number one on my bucket list. Um, in terms of uh, stipulation, um, I haven't done a no ring death match yet, but I've got about five on my upcoming calendar. Suddenly, out of nowhere, I'm just like getting booked for no ring death matches all over the place. Um, so that'll be something that'll get ticked off pretty soon. Um, it's actually, I think that when's the one that's happening? I think it's in Winnipeg at the end of March, uh, that's going to be, be happening and it's going to be pretty fun. Uh, and then finally, I think Japan is, is the ultimate, uh, even if it's like literally one match in, in some random place in Japan, like that'll be good for me. I just want to say that I was able to make it there and I was able to wrestle in Japan because like literally someone from like small town Ontario who never had dreams of ever becoming a wrestler or doing anything cool like that like that's a pretty cool thing to say that you've done so yeah i love all three answers and you know what uh i think that match would be a definite barn burner and it's actually good that you mentioned uh that first uh no ring death match is happening at the end of march because this interview will probably drop in and around that time frame so that's absolutely perfect so i'm glad that we've checked off one any promoters out there that are listening to this let's make that dream match happen Let's get that book before Addie Starr, you know, walks her final curtain call. We want to make this happen. So, uh, or even Lefisto, if you listen to the show, holler at your boy. I'd be glad to help set that up. I know Addie Starr. We're now friends. We're people now. Yeah. We're people. Let's do it. Let's get it done. <laughs> all right. In terms of your career thus far, looking back at all the matches that you've had and all the barriers, you know, you've broken down for yourself. Uh, let's kind of backtrack to when you started the wrestling training. When you went, you know, I guess to your parents or your support system, wherever you had around at that time, maybe your sisters or brothers you confided in, when you told them that you wanted to go full force with this wrestling thing, this is one of my favorite questions because I always, the reactions I always find hilarious. What was the reaction when you told your family and your close friends, guys, you know what? I, I'm going to, I'm going to wrestle. That's my goal right now in life. I'm going to be a pro wrestler. Um, I, okay, it's weird because like I moved out when I was very young. Um, I moved out of my house when I was 16 years old. Um, so I was kind of like away, like I was emancipated. I was like not dealing with my parents. Like my parents, like great relationship now, like wonderful. Um, but yeah, I was like not super concerned about what my parents would have thought, honestly. Um, because the other thing too is that my parents uh were punk rock musicians like my parents were way more hardcore than like I ever have been in my whole life so for me to like tell them that I was wrestling it probably they wouldn't have even cared but I don't think they even found out until um god it probably would have been uh until well after I had my first few matches um I think my mom came to like my one of my matches like a year or two in and watched me and she was just like yeah like this seems like something that you should be doing because you're a badass and you should kick people in the head and I'm like yeah cool and then she was totally fine with it um so 
yeah, it was it was kind of just like a normal progression, I guess. Uh, I never really had a lot of like people freaking out about it. Um, no one was ever like stepping in to tell me to not do it. I remember my mom, uh, she had watched The Wrestler, the movie The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke, though, uh, when it came out was like 2008 or something. And I remember she just called me like on the phone, like crying like just bawling her eyes out being like please uh, stop wrestling like you're gonna end up like Mickey Rourke and she was like just <laughs> sobbing um and I had to be like no mom like I'm not gonna wrestle Necro Butcher and have a heart attack I promise um and I still haven't wrestled Necro Butcher so I kept that promise to her uh, you did you did yeah and yes. yeah I think like the I get more backlash now or not backlash but like more surprise now in like my 30s and like when I because I was like a school teacher during the week and then I was going off and like doing death matches on the weekend so I think people are more surprised now later on when they find out than than they would have been like when I was still like wild and crazy and 19 years old nice I, I you know what if my teacher wrestled around in uh in death matches during the weekends I might pay pay them a lot more respect than I did when I was younger that's for sure that is 100% for sure. So, <laughs> in terms of your career thus far, all the matches that you've had, to go back, to circle back to this question now, is there any match that kind of sticks out to you as your personal one that you look at and you say, you know what, to date, right now in my career, if it were to end all tomorrow, that match, this one match would be my best body of work. Is there any one that kind of yeah. sticks out to you? Oh, yeah. Um, so I was lucky enough that last year during Mania Week, I was uh, given a main event spot on one of the shows around um, New York. Uh, so ISW, who I will always credit as like the, the promotion that like gave me a platform and made me who I am now and gave me like the 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 push in my career that I needed. They uh, had me in the main event. It was a four way, fatal four way um, with myself. Uh, Matt Tremont, Jeff Cannibal, and Nick Gage, MDK, Nick Gage, uh, Lego match. And that that match stands out to me for like a ton of different reasons. One, because it was obviously like the Lego thing is like my, you know, signature thing now when it's something that I've been able to really, you know, um, use to, to, to further my career and it's kind of become my thing now, which is kind of cool. Um, it was main event of like a of like an all male show as well, and I and I managed to land that spot. And I mean, I I had been trying to wrestle Nick Gage for like a decade, literally a decade. Um, I was supposed to wrestle him in I think it was like 2009, um, before there was like the unfortunate thing that occurred with him. Um, and then to be able to come like literally a decade later when he's like at his peak when Nick Age is like the top of the indies right now he is the most over wrestler in the indies. he is the best wrestler in the indies right now I will say it to be able to go in and have this match with him um and to to get the kind of uh feedback that I did from you know the social media and from people at the show who said that like that was the the best thing that I've seen you do and to have Nick Gage come to me backstage and go yo you killed it like he just was like so complimentary I was like that's it like I just take me now I'm I, I'm dead this is fine because it was just like the best moment honestly 
A hundred percent. That's for sure. And I mean, I, I was hoping you were going to say that match. I didn't want to spoil it, but I was hoping you're going to say that match because I was actually able to see that match quite recently uh, through a friend of a friend that had it. Uh, I'm not going to say how he got it, but he had it. And um, it was just, it was incredible. It was one of actually my, probably, I'm going to, I'll say it. You said Nick Gage is the best wrestler in the Indies. I will say this. I will say that's probably one of the best indie wrestling matches I have ever seen. And I've seen a ton of them. And there's a ton that stick out to me. But that one right there, that was a killer. And you're not wrong. Nick Gage is definitely one of the best. I just hope that when, if he decides to take it to that next level as in a main roster promotion, something where he could become more affiliated, I just hope he makes a decision that's for him and him alone. You never want to make the decision when you're blinded by money. Because if you're blinded by money, you're always going to be ricochet in WWE getting kicked in the nuts by Brock Lesnar. Sorry. Was that, was that wrong to say? Was that wrong? No. I I agree. And like, and Nick Cage is one of those people that like, you look at him and you're just like in, so my boyfriend is like a huge wrestling fan too, but he only ever really watched like WWE and stuff. And he's now come to all these indie shows and he, he saw, um, a, a show that I was on recently uh, in in Massachusetts and Nick Gage was on the show. So he got to experience the Nick Gage entrance live and he came to me and he's just like, oh my God, like that was the best thing that I've ever seen in my life. Like he was just so enthralled by Nick Gage. So I, I almost hope that like he never changes. Like he has to just stay like that for the rest of his career. Otherwise I will be like completely devastated. <laughs> Well, that Addy Star might have to, if you decide to, you know, hang up the boots in the near future, next couple of years, and he and he pulls that kind of crap, you're gonna have to come out of retirement and set him straight. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, N- Nikki and I are like cool now, so like he and I have some like deep conversations, and he's he's pretty like insightful, and he's like, no, you gotta stay true, man. You gotta stay true to yourself. Like he's like really like he he he's on the he's on the like the up and up. He knows. <laughs> He's on the reel. I love it. Well, you know what? Uh, next time, if you're having one of those deep, meaningful conversations, you want to slide him my way because I have been trying to get at him. So tell him that you just that I am the best podcast interview you've ever had. Am I wrong in yeah. saying that? <laughs> I got you. I got right. you. Perfect. And my final question. If there is a small fan out there in the world, male or female, doesn't matter, and they're looking to get into the wrestling business and they want a piece of advice from Addy Starr, what would be the one piece of wisdom you would pass on to that young fan? Um, I think being a, like a good person goes a lot further than people realize. Um, people in backstage and wrestling shows will, will go on and on and on about, Oh, this guy, I love this guy. Like this guy's my favorite. He's my boy, you know, or this, this, this girl that I've, I've, she's the best. Like she's just, she's a real, she's a real one, you know? And that kind of like word of mouth and that kind of like, um, I'm trying to like think like credit, like I'm just doing like street cred or whatever, but like that, like cred of like being a good person to work with is so, so valuable. Um, because there's like a million and one people that are like really good wrestlers and, and they can go out and have a great match. But if you're like not a great person to work with and you're not fun to be around backstage, like people are going to say it and people are, are going to be like, oh, I'm not going to really, I don't, we don't want to have that like atmosphere backstage. So um, really just like focusing on trying to be the best person that you can be and thinking about like, how would you want people to talk about you when you're not there? that's pretty much just as important 
as you know getting good in the ring and 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 getting like your character and all that down still you got to be a good person at the end of the day you know <laughs> no i think that's that's fantastic advice and you're right and it's much like yeah i don't think that just uh, goes with wrestling go with that i think that goes with life in general I mean, I've been able to land some fantastic guests on the show, and now I can add you to that list. And that's because of a reputation of being of the utmost professionalism and above all else, having a pretty sweet radio voice. I'm not going to say I'm <laughs> Howard Stern, but I got a pretty sweet radio voice. It's a blessing. Blessed. You know, hashtag blessed. <laughs> hashtag blessed. Thank you very much. All right, Addy, I want to take this time out to thank you again for being on Straight Talk Wrestling today and to officially let you know you are now a member of the Straight Talk family. Anytime you want to come back on the show, I would absolutely love to have you because this was a fantastic conversation. Awesome, man. Thank you. It was really fun. It was really good. Really enjoyed it. I'm glad you did. You take care. Go enjoy your yoga. And we will chat very soon. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Well, guys, what can I say? That was Addie Star. She was absolutely just fantastic. Such an amazing person to talk to. Such a real great candid interview as I always deliver. And hashtag blessed, like she said. You know what I mean? To finally lock her down, scratch her off the list is huge, huge, huge. Hopefully down the line in a couple of years, we'll get her back on the show and discuss a few more things that she may have accomplished since then. As always, I'm your host, your boy, George Vakai. Thank you so much for listening today. Don't forget to follow the socials for next week's episode because I'm never going to give you a hint. Follow the socials on the Monday and we will let you know who is coming up this uh, upcoming episode. So, you know, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, take care. Peace, love, and wrestling. And I will see you guys next week. Peace. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another episode on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Also follow us on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And for all our merchandise, you can search us on ProWrestlingTees.com. Oh.